So I'm here in Lima, Peru this evening with Madam Presidential Candidate, <laughs> head of her party, the Cameroon People's Party, Kawala, um, from Cameroon. And we're here because we're about to launch into building something very exciting for Vital Voices, and that is our first fellowship program for women who are political leaders, government leaders, civil society and policy shapers, which of course, Ka uh, uh, is all of those things. And I want to just start off, uh, we have so much to talk about, but I want to start off talking about your path to politics, because I think you didn't anticipate you'd get into politics. You were a businesswoman yes. until 10 years ago. Yes. What happened? Well, um, like a lot of uh, Africans who have the opportunity to do so, and Cameroonians in particular, um, I went to school outside of Cameroon. So I went to school in the United States. And I like to say I am part of the last generation that um, we knew we were going home. There was no, you know, after our studies, how do we stay um, in the U.S.? We were that last generation um, who you know, really came for school and were going home to build our countries. And uh, after having graduated from Howard University with my MBA in my pocket, um, I thought the way I'm going to change the world and Cameroon in particular is to build an amazing business. Um, and I went home and um, we did that. We, mm. we, we did build a business um, that uh, I should say that Vital Voices first met you what, what, 10 years ago, ago or so. Exactly. Because we hired your business. Exactly, exactly. And um, we, we built what by um, 2007. We, we started the business in 1994. And by 2007, we were an internationally mm. recognized company, um, a wonderful group of Cameroonian consultants, majority of whom are women, um, going around the world doing leadership and strategy consulting. However, in Cameroon, I had realized by this time that while our company was doing well, while we were able to make change for people at micro levels, one company at a time, um, we worked on development projects so we could change the lives of 200 women here, 500 young, young people here, um, we were not able to make change at scale. Mm. And this was my vision. When I was mm. coming home, um, it was to see, you know, um, the majority of Cameroonians no longer poor, the majority of Cameroonians having access to water and electricity and jobs. And so I realized that I had to go beyond my company if we were going to begin to address change at scale. And then I think this may be a typical woman's path <laughs> um, in the sense that I still shied away from politics and went into civil society. Mm. Um, but both in business and in civil society, we kept coming up against the macro framework, the policy, the um, availability of resources at large scale level, mm. um, bad laws, bad decisions that that, that um, uh, policymakers were making. And so finally in 2007, I said, you know what, um, the, the center of this problem is political. 
It is politics that determines everything else. It's politics that determines economic policy. It's politics that determines social policy. Um, and I decided either I had a I had a choice. Either I had to stop complaining and griping about how uh, things were going wrong in the country, um, or I would step into the space where I could address the fundamental problem. And since I'm not good at shutting up, <laughs> um, I decided to go to, to go into politics. Do you think that since, like you, so many women do come at politics through an experience, mm -hmm. right? A, an issue hits them, they feel like there's, you know, inequity, you know, justice issues, human rights issues, whatever it might be. It's a personal experience for them. And that's what ignites them on that path of, of being a leader in public life mm -hmm. and maybe moving out of a more comfort zone in mm -hmm. business or maybe <laughs> not even in business. Yeah. Um, how do you think that shapes women as leaders? I mean, do you think that's valuable? I think that's very valuable. I think that, um, you know, women, because they have been not within the circles of power, they don't see the, they don't see the power, the political position as the goal. So they, the, the, many women that I have met come to politics through this path of trying to solve a problem. <laughs> um, and I think that um, that's a very, very critical viewpoint to have at the political table. Now that I've been in politics um, for 10 years, I understand very well how it is that we get lost um, in countries all around the world, lost in the politics, um, because for those who are um, very familiar with power and manipulating power and and you know playing with the positions and so on, it is very much about getting an edge over the other guy. Um, you know, positioning yourself in a way that you will be able to. Um, influence things and make decisions. And while that is important, I think if you have a world, you know, and I think women need to learn that because many of us come into the political space feeling like, okay, I'll just work hard and everybody will see how hard I'm working and I will get the rewards. It does not work that way. <laughs> um, and you do have to be aware of the need you know, I often talk about the need for women to embrace power because women are very much kind of afraid of power. And I want I don't want to be a part of that negative um, uh, space that sometimes is or that often too often um, is the space of political power. But I think that for all of us, for for countries like mine, Cameroon, but today when you look around the world as a whole, we need the people whose primary objectives, whose driving force is, I want to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. I want to bring more justice. I want my country to respect human rights. I want, you know, women and children to have access to health care. We really need those mm -hmm. people because when that's your driving force, then you are using, you know, what you understand the power and I feel that we as women need to understand it, we need to embrace it, and then we can transform it. Because mm. I think you cannot transform something from outside, from outside yeah. of it. Mm. Yeah. 
It's really interesting. When you look to what's happening in the United States, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you've been following our politics. Yes. It's hard probably not to. Yes. Um, but all these women deciding I'm going to run. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and some, you know, interesting election results. Yeah. We, we saw a lot of women, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, we have, you know, now also transgender mm-hmm. um, representatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, things are changing. Mm-hmm. Do you, is that impacting what you're trying to do? What, what's your perspective on that? Mm. Um, I, I, I think it's very interesting for the U.S. It, it's not impacting what we are trying to do in, um, in Cameroon, for example, because the U.S. is in such a particular political moment. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's it, you know, what is happening is so... Um, out of the norm that you know it's we're much more spectators like okay let's let's watch and see what's what's happening but I think that what I observed as somebody who's in in politics is that um, interestingly sometimes you need a jolt I think American women felt jolted felt like okay we, we've kind of been sleeping here and, and, and letting things, letting business run as usual. And um, here things have swung in a very public, rhetorical at least, um, anti-woman space. And, and people felt like, oh no, we cannot allow this to continue to happen. And there came that jolt where people said, well, we have to embrace this in order to transform it. Um, and I think that for the U.S., um, it's it's very you know we I think as a woman um, it's been very um, disturbing over the last uh, year or so to, to you know two years or so to the the rhetoric that has been in the political right. space and this sort of move of American women this ability to mobilize organize and actually occupy political space. Um, is extremely encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's extremely, um, you know, you 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 get that sense of people moving to to make change, mm-hmm. and and um, yeah, I, I I think women were already on that trend in the last decade or mm-hmm. so, and in the last two years, we all kind of felt like, wait a minute, what's happening? Did we just like? lose everything that, that, that women had gained in the last 10 years in terms of occupying, you know, public space. Um, and I think that these latest results are like, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> um, we may have had, had a little bump on the road, but right, um, right. yeah. You know, it, one of the things certainly that we're going to be talking about over the course of the next couple of days as we flesh out what a, a fellowship and deep training program would look like for women who are political leaders or policy shapers. And I think one of the issues that we're going to address is not just, you know, uh, how, how do you be a strong leader, but all the sort of surrounds that you have to deal with as a woman leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, you know, you face more threats and mm-hmm. violence and mm-hmm. challenges. And certainly, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're no stranger <laughs> to, such, to such things. And I, I'd love to turn now to talk about, um, to talk about what's happening now in Cameroon. It seems like there's a, 
a more significant crackdown by the by the current government. And yes. I just wondered, you know, if you can give us sort of an inside look into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so first, just before I go into Cameroon, is that I do want to say how excited I am about this program. <laughs> um, I think you know that, um, you know, I have always pushed it by the voices for um, the importance of women you know, really being in this political space. And because it is one of the most difficult spaces to be in, I mean, women entrepreneurs have challenges, women who work um, in um, civil society on human rights uh, issues have huge, huge challenges. Um, But there is no question that in all of our societies, political power is the strongest power. And so you feel the pressure um, from all directions as a woman there. Um, And, you know, so I'm, you know, transitioning to Cameroon, I think that why is the government cracking down? The government feels extremely threatened at this moment. Um, We have in Cameroon had the same president for 35 years now. We are an extremely rich country, an extremely rich country with, you know, fantastic conditions for agriculture, uh, an amazing geostrategic position for trade and commerce with the rest of Central Africa. All of the minerals you can think of, diamonds, gold, um, oil, um, cobalt, coltan. Um, So it is you know, it is really a tragedy that in all of this wealth, we have 50% of the population that lives with less than $2 a day, that we have 50% of Cameroonians who do not have access to water or to electricity, Um, that 7,000, that number always just boggles my mind, 7,000 women, Cameroonian women, die every year giving birth, giving wow. life. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, it is a tragedy. It is scandalous. It is totally unacceptable in 2017. Um, and the, the population in Cameroon is, is pushing back, is not willing and ready to accept this any longer. Um, So we are seeing protests from various factions of the society. We are seeing um, the the thing that has happened within the last year is a very, very, um, very, very strong and sustained protest from the English-speaking part of Cameroon. Cameroon is bilingual, English-speaking and French-speaking, and about 20% of the population in Cameroon is English speaking. Um, And they feel particularly marginalized because they are victims of discrimination in addition to not having roads and water and so on. Then there is the discrimination because they are English speaking. So we now have a strong secessionist movement. We have English speaking Cameroonians who say, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. This is so unacceptable to us that we do not want to be a part of this anymore. And um, they have sustained, you know, very strong protests over a year. And government has reacted to that as typically 
repressive governments do by jailing in within the last year over a thousand young Cameroonians by um, uh, shooting at unarmed protesters and we have seen um, anywhere between 30 to uh, about a hundred people dead. We don't have that the, the actual numbers. Um, and by cutting off the internet for over five million people, Cameroon has seen a total shutoff for a wow. hundred days um, for that part of the country. And for the last fifty, I think we are on day fifty-four now. A um, a partial or a restriction to the internet. So in that part of the country, you have internet access, but you, you don't have access to social media. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What are, what are people around the world doing in response to, to, to these digital rights being taken away? I mean, yeah. at, you know, ultimately today and in the future, digital rights are human rights. Yes. The ability to connect and communicate, they mm-hmm. are what protects us in mm-hmm. so many places around mm-hmm. the world, let alone help us with mm-hmm. commerce and mm-hmm. you're so well aware mm-hmm. of. So what are people doing? What can people do? do. So, um, you know, in the, the, the first cutoff happened at the beginning of this year. It started in, in January. Um, and was not lifted till um, April. And um, we saw, and there I want to really recognize, like, you know, it's interesting in these moments of, you know, really tension and repression, what has happened, because women's voices are coming out. Um, There was an amazing campaign called Bring Back Our Internet, um, which mm. was, um, you know, held throughout the hundred days of the cutoff, and where the it was really led by women, um, and um, you know, this was a social media campaign with um, people from around the world joining us to demand that the Cameroonian government um, bring back our internet, and I think. What was um, tremendous about that is that we saw the international um, uh, internet rights community coming to our support. We saw women activists from around the world coming to our support. We saw African activists from around the world coming to our support. We had a fantastic um, support by traditional media. I think every major news outlet in the world was covering Cameroon and this internet shutdown during that period. Um, unfortunately, repressive governments and a government like ours, once again, I, I keep telling people Cameroon is rich. 95% of our budget is our own money. So all the aid that we receive in the world um, is less than 10% of our of our national budget, which wow. means that there are not so many levers that you can use against our government. So this is a great thing for us in the long term, um, but yeah. it does mean that in these kinds of situations, you can't go to our government and say, well, we're going to pull our aid right. um, and it, it, it won't make much of a difference. Um, but there are symbolic things that I, I feel like the institutional international community um, 
today is just not equipped to handle these fights against dictators. Um, I, mm. we, we, see, we see an amazing response from grassroots activists, um, from internet activists, and like I said, from women activists, but um, the institutional responses from other governments, from um, international institutions like, like the UN, um, like the African Union, um, are just way, they're, they're not commensurate to the crisis that is on the ground. You know, you can't mm. just put out a communique. Right. Um, you know, I think the, the, the institutional response is what, what has really hit home to me in this crisis is that, you know, this, this group of institutions, which we call the international community, um, just does not have an adequate response for these kinds of situations um, at this point in our, in our world history. Um, you know, there are symbolic things. We saw our president right in the middle of that internet shutdown being received by the Pope. And we, wow. and, and Cameronians felt like, you know, here's somebody who is, um, you know, right in the center of terrific human rights abuse. Because at the time also, um, you know, People had been completely unjustly arrested. People had been killed. Um, and there's this nice uh, sort of diplomatic visit to the Vatican. Um, and, 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 and so I think there's a whole body of work at, at, at another level to rethink how does the world respond? How should the world respond when you have a leader who is jeopardizing the lives of millions of people. Right. Can we just, you know, our president went to the UN meeting um, in September um, and did not receive any kind of, Wow. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there have been UN communiques, you know, saying we think you should respect human rights and so on and so forth. But, you know, that's, that's barely a tap on the, on the, <laughs> on the hand. Um, for for somebody who's responsible for loss of life, you know, um, and for and for people's you know well being, millions of people being being in jeopardy. So yeah. So you've been at this for for a while. If I could just ask one last question, um, what I love about you is that you know with with you know even with the. The 24-hour, you know, seven-day-a-week news cycle, things seem to happen so fast. But one thing that doesn't happen fast is real change. Yes. <laughs> it takes a very long time. Put your shoulder in. Put your head down. You know, I mean, it, it, it takes a long time. And, and you've, you've been at it. Mm -hmm. and, and somehow you, you continue to have incredible enthusiasm and energy and hope. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, as you look forward, is there some light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, what are you pushing for right now that, that kind of keeps you going, like one little speck of something? Mm -hmm. Oh, there is, you know, I think in these situations, what makes the news cycle is the Internet shutdown, um, is the, you know, 50 people were shot at. What does not make the Internet, the, the, the news cycle is you know, that because they shut down the internet, 
thousands of Cameroonians became activists and went on the internet to save the internet for their, you know, um, fellow citizens. Yeah. Um, what does not make the internet is that uh, on October 21st, less than a month ago, in a town that was in my town, um, Douala, that was completely militarized with water cannons, tanks, machine guns, um, on the streets to ban a protest march, we still came out and marched um, with, you know, 52 of the most courageous people that I know of who looked right down the barrels of those guns and said, we are going to come out and we are going to protest for our right to our political opinion. You know, so that's where the energy comes from for me yeah. as a leader is that, you know, amazing people who do not have um, the resources that I have, resources in terms of reach to the rest of the world, in terms of visibility, in terms of, you know, being able to have options. Um, millions of people are saying, we will not stand for this. And there, as a leader, I'm feeling like, well, I have to do my job. <laughs> you know, I have to um, um, lead the charge here because people want this and people are standing up for this and taking extreme risk for this. Um, so for me, that's the hope. Um, the other thing is that I do know that it is out of strife that um, that you built. It, it is out of, you know, Alice Walker, one of my favorite authors, says that new growth comes out of mud. Mm. You know, it, 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 you, you, you get that shoot of a new plant, of new life out of mud. So you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty. You can't right. be afraid of the mud. Um, so, um, you know, I know that for sure. And there are so many small victories along the way that mm. just fuel you, yeah. that keep you going. Yeah. Um, and then I think that, you know, Africa is at this place where we can all see we are either going to make it or break it. We right. are either going to be able to turn this corner and take our continent out of where it is, um, or we will be in total chaos. And the least that we can do is to is to reach for that, you know, amazing future, which we can... We can touch, we can see, we have, you know, I tell people that I feel that Africa in my soul. I know it's there, mm -hmm. you know, so, so I know it's there because of the people I, that I meet. I know it's there because of the way that I grew up, that I know it's there because of, you know, both cities and villages that I have visited. And so I have to reach for it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have an option. So inspiring. Well, the thing that I have always known about you is that you're not, you didn't run for president and you're not continuing to run for president <laughs> because you believe that you as one individual person can solve the problems. Right. You're running for president to ignite, to educate yes. people and to use that full force mm -hmm. to change the country. You're not looking for a sort of a one-off win. You're looking for a paradigm shift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I just... You know, I commend you because I, be I believe in you and I believe in what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So...
Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And thank you for being here. I'm excited about what's going to come out over these next few days. Thank you. I'm really excited. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs>